0: Welcome to the Adaptable Podcast, we're your hosts, Morgan, Anna, Claire, a group of physical therapists and student physical therapists who are dedicated to building a community and breaking down barriers for individuals with disabilities and chronic illnesses who are or want to become a part of our profession.
1: Join us as we embark on this journey and get to know some incredible individuals along the way. So welcome back
0: to another episode of the adaptable podcast today. We have with us, Danny Fasaro. Did I say that right? Yes. (laughs) Perfect. Um, so Danny, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, so I am 28. I'm a physical therapist and I also have a degree in athletic training, but I'm not certified right now. Um, I became really sick in about 2015 during the middle of physical therapy school and I kind of forced myself through the rest of it and um, I had to take some time off after to work on my health and since then I have started my own business literally from my bed and I do a combination of like content creation and social media marketing type work. I do lifestyle and mindset coaching for other people with chronic illnesses. And then occasionally I will model for different brand campaigns. So that's pretty much what I do. That's such a cool combination of
0: things. You've kind of like used your PT exercise background to then incorporate your own health struggles and then kind of mesh the two and help other people navigate that from like a health and wellness perspective. That's not necessarily PT. That's really cool. And you model, which is like a super fun little thing that has nothing to do with PT. I love that.
2: Yeah. Well, also I do telehealth PT forgot to mention that um, for other people with chronic illnesses. So I typically treat people with like very severe cases who can't access PT otherwise. And I help bring them through rehab programs. Um, But regarding the modeling, it's just something I kind of fell into is because I live near New York. So a couple adaptive brands just reached out to me because they wanted someone with a central line to model. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I think it's so fun. And then it's just another way that I can increase disability visibility in just the world in general. So it's something that I do any chance I have the opportunity to.
0: That's so awesome that you have that it's like an outlet and it helps you advocate for other people at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So what got you interested in physical therapy in the first place?
2: So I was a very high level soccer player. I was on the path to play D1 in college and started even, you know, going through the recruiting process and I got injured as many physical therapists, like what happens, um, I had a chronic knee injury that never got better and I couldn't play soccer anymore. And my physical therapist was really important to me and helped rehab me. And so was the athletic trainer at my high school. So my athletic trainer was really integral to just my health in general, because he was kind of that support system that I needed at the time. And, I wanted to be that support system for someone else and I always knew that I wanted to do something in the health fields. I wanted to be a doctor for a while, Um, but then I realized that as a PT or an AT, you have just a better relationship with patients because you spend more time with them and more opportunity to get to know them and watch them grow. So That's why I decided on PT and AT.
0: I feel like that's been a really big pattern that I've noticed too, like talking to other patients and talking to other PTs that have chronic illness is that like physical therapy, you're with the patient for anywhere from 30 minutes to like an hour. And so having that time and multiple sessions, you know, like throughout the treatment plan allows the patients to feel more comfortable and develop that relationship and maybe tell that provider something that they wouldn't tell a physician who spends like five minutes with them and so that's also why I got into physical therapy too just because that's where I felt like I was the most heard and like I felt like my physical therapist actually took the time to like understand what was going on at like a deeper level and not just like okay, X, Y, Z is wrong with you. Like here, like, here's what you do about it. See you in like six months to a year. And so I think the story that you just went through with us um, really resonates with a lot of people as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I consider PT and more so AT because they're just like in high schools and with athletes, but PT as well, I consider them the first line of defense for people because a lot of people with chronic illnesses end up in physical therapy before they realize something else is wrong with them. And oftentimes, a physical therapist will say, Hey, like, I think something else is going on. Please see, like, your internist or ex specialist to be evaluated. So Um, When I got sick, that is what motivated me to get through my program because I wanted to be one of those people who didn't just look at a knee injury and really looked at the whole person.
0: That's so important too. And I've only been in this clinical that I'm in right now for, this was day three and I Mm -hmm. took on my first, oh, I know. I'm so excited. I love this clinic so far. I'm having so much fun. Um, but I like had my first eval where like I was in charge of the thing today and I looked at the intake paperwork and it asked family medical history and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome was a box you could check off and I had what? never seen that in my entire life in any other clinic and I was like oh my gosh I don't know I, I almost I've started crying. I've never seen
2: that.
1: <laughs> I've never seen that and I've filled out a million intake forms. <laughs> I know I was like what like what made you put
0: this on here and he's like our caseload we just like keep seeing it over and over again like people having that hypermobility and so because of their relationship they're like an independent outpatient clinic but mm -hmm. their physical proximity to a major hospital system that like is kind of known for genetic disorders and stuff like that they've kind of like ended up taking a bunch of their patients and so it keeps popping up And so now Mm. it's on their intake paperwork, which just like makes the patient feel so much more comfortable to begin with. It's not like, oh, I have to go in here and explain what this is. Right.
2: And won't hurt me.
0: Yes. Yes. Safety is a big factor with that. Um, So how has having your chronic illnesses impacted your career path? I know you said that you weren't doing PT for a little bit when you were like really sick. And then now you're kind of into telehealth. Um, So kind of tell us about that transition and how that's been going.
2: Yeah. So um, my health pretty much obliterated my career in PT or lack thereof, honestly, because I was so sick by the time I graduated that I moved home and I couldn't work for three years. And I honestly was coming to terms with the fact that I couldn't work clinical PT because it just wasn't for me. I deal with too much pain and too much fatigue and everything like that to be able to tolerate it. So I was kind of right before COVID, I was really starting to accept that, you know, maybe one day I would do per diem or something like that, or find something else to do in the PT realm. But I just, I knew that full-time or even part-time clinical PT wasn't good for my body. And COVID actually opened up the opportunity for me to work with people because everyone's switching to telehealth. And the opportunity actually fell into my lap It was the old PT clinic that I used to go to and I went there for almost two years like every week and the PT I worked with is absolutely incredible and she was doing everything she could to get me rehabbed enough so I could actually work there eventually but then um, she moved So I stopped going because she was like this only specialist in the location in New Jersey and going into the city for PT is just way too much on my body. And um, I hadn't been at the practice in like quite a few months and the CEO calls me and like I didn't have his number or anything. I almost didn't pick it up. And I was just like, Hello. And because I was like, Why the heck are you calling me? And he was just like, we want to be a big center for EDS and hypermobility. And we want you to join our team in any capacity that you can to be able to do that. So I started working telehealth. And I actually haven't worked with an EDS patient yet. I have been treating COVID long haulers who I'm overseeing doing the Levine protocol for dysautonomia. Um, So that's been really interesting because not only am I like a brand new baby PT who's never had a mentor after graduation, but... I'm treating people that nobody has no idea has any idea what to do with. And the research is always just like incoming. So I'm just kind of doing things by the seat of my pants. And, you know, it's been really fulfilling for me because the sessions are 45 minutes long. So they're pretty long and, It's just me and that person. So it's different than being in a clinic with a bunch of other people. It's more just, I feel like it's a closer connection and it creates more vulnerability. So my patients share a lot with me. And typically, unfortunately, I'm the first person who really tries to understand them and validate them. So while I wish that wasn't the case, I'm really glad that I'm able to do that for them. So I'm really enjoying it so far. That's
0: really cool that you're able to be one of like the first PTs to really be in that wave of post-COVID symptoms where they it's very similar to dysautonomia, but you're going to have to publish some research on you know, if the Levine protocol works, you're going to see Danny Fusaro just like all over the place with this research coming out. It's going to be awesome.
2: Oh my gosh, I'd have to. I'm figure manifesting out how it to do for that. you. Oh my god, <laughs> don't bring the manifesting, okay? That's Danny a- is a big into
0: manifesting. She <laughs> is all over Instagram talking about manifesting. She's got me writing in my journal yes.
2: manifestations.
0: It's awesome. It's one of my 2021 things that I'm doing.
2: It, if you really believe in it and put your energy behind it, it works. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so kind of going
0: back to that kind of side like coaching business that you're doing with people with chronic illness. Mm-hmm. How would you, so I know with that, and you even brought it up when you were talking about telehealth, it seems to be a recurring theme where these patients kind of build that relationship and start telling you things that they wouldn't tell other people. And so what have you learned from those experiences that you could tell other PTs or other healthcare providers kind of as like advice for what to do to build that relationship with your patients?
2: I would say, so what I've found actually is that So typically you're in PT school, right? And you're taught that during a session, it's all about the patient and your own issues shouldn't really be shared because it's not about you. At least like that's how I went through my clinicals in my school. And if Something really came up and I felt like I could share it, I would, but typically I just kind of focused on them and left my health out of it. But with these patients, I found they actually really want to know, and I don't give them the nitty gritty details, but they'll ask me a bunch of questions about my experience or this and that. And it just makes them feel less alone if you're just like, hey, like, I know how much this is impacting you. I know how bad your fatigue is. I've been there. And this is how we're going to work through it type of situation. So they really, really respond to that. And it's just about making them feel comfortable and heard. The biggest thing I say to anyone just outside of PT, like in general, when they're like, what's like one thing? that someone could do to try and make someone with a chronic illness like comfortable. And I'm just like, listen, you don't have to get it. Just listen and show them that you're actively listening by responding and making eye contact and asking questions and things like that. So
0: that is really good advice. And that, I mean, that can be transferred to just about anything, not just PT, Um, kind of building that support network, and I think we're going to talk about that pretty soon, is uh, how to build your support system, Um, so that's a good intro. You didn't even know you were doing that for us. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, I feel like that's a good pro tip. Does anyone else have questions?
1: I don't necessarily have a question right now. I'm still mulling things over. A lot of wheels are turning in my head now, Um, but I definitely kind of think that in PT school we're kind of told to leave ourselves out of it. Like you said, um, I find it's very hard to do that, especially coming from the entire reason that I'm in PT school is because I've been through these experiences for like the last twelve years. Like it's an integral part of who I am and almost I don't like obviously tell every patient that I'm with like hey I've had a chronic illness for 12 years but a lot of times it will slowly like certain details will slowly come out like the patient that I'm working with who's recovering from a spinal cord injury we've kind of had a lot more like heart to hearts lately and it's like when he's laying things out on the table and so that's kind of like the times when things like start to come out, it's like, yes, I've been there. Like, I get it. I know what it feels like to be a burden. Like, these are valid feelings. So they're definitely, I wouldn't say like, just push your experiences to the side. Like, no, definitely like there is a time and a place to start integrating them into your care. I guess my question for you is with all of this that you have
0: going, what's your dream for moving forward? I mean, you have the telehealth, you have the side business with the, with the life's coaching and stuff. What, what's your like big goal moving forward, even for just
1: this year?
2: So my big goal is to be able to move out on my own. Cause right now, um, I am still living at home and it's the type of thing where I feel very emotionally ready to do that, but I'm not financially there yet. And cause you know, our existence is expensive and um, my ideal structure for life is that my life coaching will be the one-to-one will be pretty expensive. And the reason for that is that will allow me to put more of my energy into a much more accessible group coaching program and then also all of the free content I put out on Instagram, TikTok, and my blog and what I want to really drive my business and then hopefully that will allow me the freedom to also do telehealth PT just because I like it. Um, I honestly make more coaching than I do PT so I do it just for fun um and because you know I love doing it and then also the freedom to hopefully model more because that's something that's important to me I just haven't been able to do it because of COVID so love it thanks I'm
0: really excited to see where you go it's been awesome watching I mean I've been following you for years on Instagram so just watching you like take on these new roles and expand you know what you're doing it's just been really really cool to see you grow thanks yeah I know you've been around for a
2: really long time I keep popping up I'm like hey I know you don't know me (laughs) well no I'll like I know that you're out there but you won't message all the time so I'll forget and then you'll pop up and I'll be like oh she's still here Still here. Like a little
1: whack-a-mole. Like she just kind of yeah. like pops up. Like you yeah. can't get rid of her. You can't. We've tried. <laughs> Kidding. Um, I had a Ooh. kind of diving deeper into the telehealth aspect. Mm-hmm. I know we definitely have all seen telehealth emerge in COVID. Like it definitely wasn't anywhere near as popular before this. And now we're slowly realizing that we can do these things for almost every specialty. Where do you see telehealth kind of taking PT and like, what do you see the benefits of like telehealth being?
2: I'm really hoping that when the pandemic is quote unquote over that yeah that telehealth will remain and it will continue to be covered because especially when you're dealing with patients that have complex chronic illness it takes so much energy just to get to and from PT so if you take that out of it PT is suddenly so much more accessible for them And also it's now accessible for people who are so sick that they couldn't get to PT before. Like the people I'm rehabbing have severe fatigue, severe orthostatic intolerance. They have really debilitating symptoms. So they likely wouldn't be able to get to PT otherwise. And I'm hoping that telehealth allows physical therapists to really access populations that it couldn't really access before.
1: I definitely think there's a lot of room for growth with PT as well as even other, like even within the medical profession in general, just, I mean, yesterday I was referred to a new endocrinologist in Pennsylvania. He was like, make a telehealth appointment. I was like, Okay, because ordinarily, my insurance pre-COVID did not cover telehealth services Mm -hmm. at all. And now that there is COVID, they suddenly cover it. Mm -hmm. So I know it definitely has made it a lot more accessible insurance-wise as
2: well, even with PT. Yeah, I mean i'm on the same page with doctors and like one of my like my mast cell specialist is at johns hopkins and i just started seeing him two or three months ago and i've never been there so if i had to travel down there like he likes to see me every two to three weeks because we're really working on stuff right now and how on earth would I go to Maryland from New Jersey every two to three weeks? Like that's just not possible. And telehealth makes that possible. And it also is really nice for those just like routine checkups where you're just like, Hey, everything's the same. Just refill my meds. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Instead of having to like, for me, a bunch of my specialists are at like Cornell or Columbia so I'd have to go into the city for a 10 minute appointment being like yo what's up I'm not dying I'm good and then leave you know and now I can just do that from home instead of wasting three to four hours going into the city
0: I mean even wasting 20 minutes to say yo I'm good is a waste of time when you can just get on your computer or even on your smartphone and have an appointment. I know I had one on my iPhone in the parking lot of my clinic last fall. (laughs) I didn't have to take any time off of my clinic to go do that. I just went in the parking lot acting like I was going to the bathroom and then came back 10 minutes later. Oh
2: my gosh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Morgan,
1: I cannot even believe you pretended you were going to the bathroom and then came back. <laughs> nice. I'll be
0: back as I like, walk out of the clinic, like with my phone. <laughs> I'll be
2: back. I was gonna say, how did you time that? I'm really oh, was... impressed, to be honest.
0: That clinic was a mess, anyways, mm-hmm. so they really didn't even notice I was gone.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: But yeah, it's. It's definitely improving accessibility. It sucks that it took a pandemic to do it, but if that's what it takes, here we are, you know.
2: Mhm.
0: At least one good thing came from COVID. <laughs> yes. Yeah. At least one. One at okay. least one. <laughs> so, Danny, if anyone's listening to this excellent episode interview that we've done with you, how can they reach out to you to start a conversation maybe if they have questions or they just want to chat?
2: They can reach out to me on my Instagram. It's at Days with Danny Nicole. And um, that's the easiest way. You can also reach out on TikTok, I guess, but I don't really message people on there. <laughs> um, and there's a contact form on my website. But again, like then you're emailing me. So if you want to actually chat, I would stick to Instagram.
0: Yep. And we'll we'll put that in like the episode notes or description, whatever
1: it's called, so people can easily find you. Sounds good. I have a question. Yeah. So as we're kind of wrapping up, it'll be a kind of multi-tiered question. Actually, I lied. Anyway, what would your advice to students who have a disability or chronic illness and are going through PT school what
2: would your advice to them be oh man um so I would say fighting for accommodations is probably a big one um I was extremely lucky because my school was beyond understanding So with the exception of one professor and who was just like, he taught one class that didn't even really matter. Um, But besides him, everyone was understanding. So they let me have flexible attendance and they helped me figure out clinicals that would work better for my body. And flexible deadlines for assignments, things like that are so important to have. And you should you should have it on paper. Like looking back, I didn't know I could get those things. I didn't know they existed. I did actually talk to the disability office and they were like, other than note taking, there's nothing you could really do. And I was like, okay. Um, so I didn't know any of those things existed. And those are so important, because, you know, you're studying and you're doing your best, but sometimes things just happen, and you have to hand something in late. And I, those are the biggest ones. And um, I guess I would say also inviting professors to ask questions if they're open to it. So what I did, which worked really well, is at the beginning of each semester, like right, but like a week before it would start or the week it started, something like that, I would send an email and I'd be like, Hey, like, I'm Danny, I'm in your whatever class. I just want to let you know that I have X chronic illness and I am able to handle it most of the time, but occasionally things pop up where. I may not be able to hand something in or be in class all the time. Like I try my absolute best to make it, but I just wanted to let you know ahead of time, just in case. And then if you would like to ask any questions or meet about it, please just let me know and I'll come by office hours and just keep it. Like, I don't go into a ton of symptoms. I don't do anything like that. I just say like, hey, I have some issues and, That worked really well because then instead of like a couple of weeks later, oh, I can't hand something in, then it's like when you last minute can't do something and you're like, oh, by the way, I'm sick. It doesn't really work very well. So um, that's what I would say. Wonderful advice.
1: I think that's been something that's gotten me through PT school through undergrad is that open lines of communication. And I find if I just leave even at the bottom of that email, cause I do the exact same thing. Hey, I know I'm not like required to tell you anything else, but I'm more than happy to answer like whatever questions come up. Exactly. Like you just have to be willing to talk about it. And I also have found I discovered in undergrad the more like sciencey the professors the more they like are understanding because you can talk the biology behind it with them Mm -hmm. so I always found it interesting to see like the difference when I sat down to like have an accommodations meeting between my anatomy professor and like I don't know my econ professor he was like what is this
2: (laughs) yeah yeah And I think the great thing about PT, too, is that PTs, typically, most of them are compassionate and intuitive. So they're more likely to be understanding than, say, an econ professor or something like that, Um, which I think is a big advantage in terms of just the health professions.
1: Absolutely, for sure. And then... Other tier part of this question, what would your advice to somebody who encounters that they have a peer or a student or a colleague with a chronic illness within the PT field, what would your advice to them be in how to support or interact with
2: that individual? So again, the first thing I would say would be to listen and then also to establish those lines of communication. So make sure that person feels comfortable and like they're allowed to ask for help or for different accommodations and things like that. And then I would also say just pay attention to how they are and how they're acting and how they look. Because as you get to know someone, you can tell when they're having a bad day. And there were quite a few times where um, I either had a professor in class or my clinical instructor would tell me to go home because I looked like death. And that's really important because that just shows them that you're really seeing them and you believe them and you want them to be there and be well instead of dragging themselves through something because if you're a person with a chronic illness dragging yourself through work you're eventually going to start to resent it and you don't really want that so I think the biggest thing is just like paying attention.
0: Yeah I've definitely experienced that before where a professor or a mentor has picked up on the fact that I was not doing well and I know like you know the person with the chronic illness like typically sets those expectations like with the communication Um, and I feel like a lot of people just expect the burden of expressing that on the patient quote-unquote And so it's always refreshing when like, I don't have to say anything. Someone can just look at me and be like, how are you doing? And I'll be like, I'm fine. And they'll be like, no, you're not like go lay down. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like I'm not actually okay. I'll take that lay down. Thank you.
1: Exactly. Two words.
0: I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all fine. All is all is well if somebody says they're fine they're probably lying (laughs) yep I like when people ask me how's it going because then I can say it's going that's my favorite answer and everyone hates it but I will never (laughs) stop saying
2: it I do that sometimes or I'll just be like you know thriving Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: they're just like okay so your life sucks I'm like well no but my symptoms do yes (laughs)
0: like I don't feel well but I'm here yep All right. Well, this was fun, you guys.
2: Yes. Thanks for coming on, Danny. This This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I think what you're doing is really great. And, you know, normalizing healthcare professionals that are also patients is really important. So I think it's great what all of you are doing.
1: Oh, we appreciate that. We appreciate it and we appreciate all that you're doing for the disability and chronic illness community because it's huge. We can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Adaptable Podcast. If you like today's
0: episode and want to learn more or be a part of the conversation, you can check us out on our Instagram or Facebook group linked in the description below. You can also contact us via email at theadaptablepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to chat with you.
2: Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to hanging out with you next week.